What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Emerson Latzia holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We had a great show for you guys today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review it, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out live Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKings Network, our YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus, and Roku. You can also catch the best of Gojo and Golik every day wherever you hear VSIN from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern on the radio. Fun one today, we are going to get now canceled, uh, but all-time great sports writer Peter King to join the show in the 9 o'clock <laughs> hour to answer for his crimes against Pop-Tarts that we discussed <laughs> yesterday and maybe talk a little bit about his historic 44-year run as one of the best journalists covering the NFL uh, and football at large, but the pop tart thing feels. Dad, didn't you and him have some sort of beef about the Nathan's hot dog contest a while back too? Ooh. Yeah, he wasn't a fan of. He felt it was a waste of a lot, as, as other people do, a waste of of food by doing that. But again, Nathan's donates a ton yes. of hot dogs and money and such, so they are they are very big with that. Um, so yeah, there was a little disagreement there. Nothing, nothing crazy. I mean. Um, and I'd like you to show some respect for a man in my age group and not come f- come, you know, for the cutthroat on no frosting on the Pop-Tart right out of the gate. At least let him feel settled in a little bit before you go for the kill. Hell yeah, Boomer. 
Listen, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to do the journalism necessary to get the answers that people are looking for right now. That's what Peter King would want. That's the world that he built and helped create here around the NFL. I'm going to ask the tough questions. Sometimes life's not all cutesy. It's not just some raw, dry Pop-Tart that you're shoving into your gullet at any hour of the day. So we'll see if he's got the courage, <laughs> the audacity to show up eating a dry Pop-Tart like that on this here show today. We'll also get to some news because... The college football people cannot stop tinkering with this damn playoff already. And this version, by the way, for people that dislike Notre Dame, may actually have a little bit more impact on the Irish if things keep marching down this road. We'll also get to some combine stuff as we're going to get linebackers and D linemen on the field soon. And so uh, we've got plenty to dive into on that. But, Dad, I did not think we were still in the business of firsts with LeBron James. And then last night happens where you get the Lakers and Clippers playing in the final game where the Los Angeles Clippers will be sharing the Staples Center, now Crypto.com Arena, as co-tenants before they get ready to move into their new building and punctuate it by blowing a massive fourth quarter lead, a 21-point fourth quarter comeback that becomes the largest fourth quarter comeback of LeBron James's 21-year career LeBron outscored the Clippers by himself 19 to 16 in the fourth quarter to help the Lakers stage a massive comeback dad during a stretch where they're getting ready to play a lion's share of their games and some tough ones all at home here in Los Angeles. And I know people tend to default to the line, hey, we need to stop and appreciate greatness. But there was a part of me sitting here watching it last night that usually is cynical about that stuff, but did sort of take a moment to appreciate I don't know how many more of these we're going to get with him. And so to see him turn it on and it to look like vintage LeBron James last night, I don't know how you felt, Dad, but it really did feel like something special again. Well, I, I do think you you maybe even watch more intently because you don't know. We take for granted he's just going to keep playing. But, you know, much like we went through with Tom Brady when we kept trying to predict the end and predict the end, and he kept going and he kept going. You're just not sure when it's going to end, and we're still not sure with LeBron when it's going to end. So you just kind of – and I think that's the part of it as well when you say, you know, appreciate what you see because I do think you take for granted some of the great players in the league that they're just always going to be great. Then every now and then they even remind us, us like, oh, yeah. I mean, even one of the best of all time can separate themselves even more when they have to. And with LeBron, you got it all here, not only hitting five threes in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Clippers alone himself, 19 to six in the fourth quarter. But he does, you know, he started to do as well what he has done um, that got him kind of criticized. Always take the shot, always take the shot. And LeBron's always been one that says, I'm going to look for the guy, you know, that has the better shot. But he was making these shots and then he started dishing as well. Uh, and you got true vintage uh, LeBron when he's hitting his shots and feeling his oats and kind of throwing up everything. But then, you know, he will still have the wherewithal to dish that ball and find someone who's free. 
Yeah, Rui Hachimura was one of the other guys that really started to get involved in the rest of the party because the beginning of the fourth quarter, this Lakers team looked dead. It looked flat. They looked lost. Yep. They looked like this was over. I almost went to bed because it looked like the Clippers, even Sands, Paul George, were going to go out and be more than enough to take down LeBron and this Lakers team. And LeBron just decided he wasn't having it. He knew how important this was to a Lakers team that's still the 10 seed, by the way. And I still have questions about can they be something in the postseason if they make it out of the play-in tournament. But... LeBron James decided, no, we're not going to go quietly into this good night and went five of eight from three in the fourth quarter. And dad, you know this as well as I do. LeBron James three point experience is always a double edged sword because if it goes too far in one direction, all of a sudden we get to some heat check LeBron moments that can undo a comeback pretty quickly. But you're right. It was a reminder of what I think is the defining trait of LeBron James and Patrick Mahomes as guys that are all-time greats that we're in the middle of watching right now who combine this exemplary ability with, I think, something even more important, which is an understanding of when and how to be a teammate in the right way. LeBron's been lauded for always making the right play, and you saw it in that moment. He went went down there, and they were just getting the same um, switch for him onto Tice every time down the court and LeBron James was either taking him to the rack or pulling up to shoot a three and making a bunch of them but at some point the Clippers decided all right if they're going to keep going to this action we're going to start to double team him and that's when LeBron started making the play and he gets it over to Rui and Rui clanks out the first three the Lakers had been horrific from three the entire night in the lead up to the fourth quarter until he started doing it and so what happened Anthony Davis, who was rebounding his ass off in that fourth quarter, got the board, kicked it back out, and LeBron went right back to Rui. Dad, it's the same thing we saw from Mahomes when Marquez Valdez-Scantling, when Kadarius Toney, when all these players during the season weren't catching balls, weren't doing the right thing, were making mistakes, and he just kept going back to the well because there's this stubborn belief by these guys that, hey, I know what these guys are capable of, I know what they've done, and more importantly, I know what I'm going to need them to do in the future if we're going to get anywhere close to what we want. So seeing that through line of greatness, and I said it, Dad, I don't know if it gave me more confidence necessarily in their ceiling long term. Did it change anything about the way you felt about what this Lakers team is capable of seeing them do it against an opponent like the Clippers? See, I I think no, because we talk about the postseason, and that's all we're talking about here is how far can you go. Because it's a series thing, I think you can pull a game off like this, and we see Golden State, and we'd say the same thing, maybe a little bit more they could pull a game off like this, but can they pull off a series? That's That's the issue. Can you be consistent enough to pull off a series? And that's where I think the answer is going to be no. Now, where they end up, let's see. You, you mentioned they were in a 10th. They actually moved up to the 9 slot right now. They're a half game ahead of Golden State uh, right now for between 9 and 10. But if you want to look at the glass half full, they're three away from an automatic uh, you know, spot in the playoffs at the number 6 slot where the Pelicans and Suns share the uh, basically the same record. They're both 7.5 back out of the top of the uh, the West. So they're within reach of that, but there's other teams in front of them as well. Sacramento. Dallas, Doncic has a nice game last night, uh, 30-point triple-double on his 25th birthday. I can't believe he's only 25. Uh, so, yeah, it depends on how you want to look at it, right? Can they they have those strong games every now and then to move up? Possibly, but I, I just don't think they're consistent enough to get up higher, really, than they are. Certainly not into the top six. And then by getting into the playoffs, if they were to get in from the playing games, to win a to win a tournament or, or to win win a series, I think that's that's asking a lot for this team. 
I would agree, especially because within this game, you saw, I think, their biggest issue, which is it's really hard. They have to be a streaky three-point shooting team like we saw in the fourth, where all of a sudden Rui, D'Angelo Russell, and these guys working off the LeBron James orbit start to do that. You know, even Anthony Davis, who's had that in his bag in recent years, I heard in this game, I think it made only something like 19 threes over the course of this entire season. So it's been a struggle for them, and it's why they can tend to get bogged down at times and tend to get stuck in the mud like they did for the majority of this game. But Emerson, I don't know, just seeing it again one yeah. more time in year 21, knowing we're not guaranteed this, like we're used to this deep in postseason runs in the NBA finals. And I don't know if we're going to get that anymore. And so there was part of me that just wanted to stop and savor the flavor, even if it's a regular season game against the Clippers. You, you may want to savor tonight as well, Gojo, because LeBron now just 40 points shy of the 40,000 career point mark. An yeah. eye-opening, eye-popping number there. The Lakers host the Wizards tonight, so you may want to free up your evening, gentlemen. Yeah, no, a good reminder that LeBron James still appointment viewing, still has this big number to get to coming up. We'll get to another big number in sports. Caitlin Clark doing some big things in just a little bit here. But uh, dad switching gears yesterday, as I saw LeBron James even cro made the crossover to the world of football. Those videos of him and Miles Garrett working out. Terrifying. Yeah. Like, I came away somehow terrified by seeing both of them next to the other. Like, it's a reminder of how big and tall LeBron James is, but also how densely right. packed Miles Garrett is. The question was posed online the other day, which human would you not be surprised to hear survived a weaponless encounter with a grizzly bear? Miles Garrett would be up on that list. I feel like he would oh, do all right man. against the bear. That that's that's not even a question for me either of those two. Listen, and, and this takes nothing away from LeBron, but we're talking about beef here in, in a fight than the size of Miles Garrett. He's just absolutely freakish. So yeah, I go that way too. You guys follow any of like the gem yeah, couples on on Instagram? Yes. You know, they work out together and they do the same movements just at the same exact time. And it looks so beautiful and perfect. That's what this video looks like. It did. They were they were the world's most intimidating and accomplished <laughs> gym couple, maybe ever. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes 
that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So I'm old enough to remember when report cards were actual cards, but the NFLPA releasing its <laughs> annual report cards, the electronic kind here, guys, yesterday, surveying players about their teams and facilities and services that they offer. So several notable categories were featured here, including team rankings overall, head coaches, team owners, locker room, and treatment of families here. Now, one of the more surprising team grades comes from the two-time defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs, who a year after finishing 29th in these rankings somehow found a way to slip to 31, ahead of only the freaking commanders go, Joe, and Kansas City owner Clark Hunt ranking dead last out of 32 team owners. How does this happen? Uh, it happens because this is a great reminder, Emerson, a great reminder that in professional sports and really any sport, when it comes to the things that actually influence winning and aren't just creature comforts that make everybody else feel more happy at their job, there are very few things that actually matter. And the head coach, I mean, that was the one place Andy Reid, as many people pointed out, seemed to be the only bright spot on the Chiefs report card. And it's a reminder, Dad, that as long as you've got that guy and Patrick Mahomes, everything else can kind of fade into the background, provided that you don't have a training staff actively subverting you or a hot tub that's full of mold. Yeah, I mean, they they got three, I'm looking at four Fs, a couple of Ds on the different categories. As, as Emerson mentioned there, uh, treatment of families, food, nutrition, locker room, training room, training staff, weight room strength coaches, team travel, head coach, and then owner, uh, which is amazing with the Chiefs. They go A, A with the head coach and F with the owner. It's wild. But you're right. This is different than college, gang. And I think it may even be turning the table, turning the page now in college where it was how cool of a facility can you get? Clemson has the slide, you know, going in there. It was all to attract the uh, the the recruits now, as a couple of uh, you know, power five coaches say, you know, you could have a you, the kid's locker could be a trash can and a lid, but if he's getting fifty thousand in NIL, he doesn't care. So, is it going away from what facilities are in college because of NIL? And in the pros, man, you just go and you do your thing. What what the the things that I look at that affect you the most are obviously, you know, what do you think of your head coach? But as far as as your weight room and such. Listen, if you got, you know, two weights that are both 45 pounds, you know, that doesn't make me tilt and I don't care what they look like, right? They don't have to be the newest, shiniest weights in the world. I'm going to lift the weights, you know, the training, You but you want a competent training staff. By rule in the CBA, you have to have at least three on-site trainers at your facility. And that now by the union, they're starting to wonder, is that not enough? Those are the things 
Are you getting good enough treatment that, that I look at? Is your treatment good enough? How are you being dealt with once you get hurt? You know, how much one-on-one time do you get there? So there are certain things I pick on this. The others, Mike, you're, you're absolutely right, are luxuries. But when you hear stuff like the Beng- some of the Bengals' young players aren't charged for food anymore. I mean, as I was telling you guys in the break, some of the, some of the things that people got Fs for, when I was playing, they'd be A's. <laughs> because it has gotten a lot better, but that's what players are, are, are more used to, especially when you come out of the era of f- unbelievably great facilities in, the, in college. You go to the pros and you're like, what the hell is this? I had it better in college. You're like, yeah, you did. Here, this is your job. You're getting paid to do it. Uh, just go do it. You know, do your job. Because if you don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. And they're going to be here and maybe won't complain about the facilities. So I, I don't know what will change. Kansas City, the ownership or management said they'll change the locker room last year. They didn't do it outside of putting chairs instead of stools in. So that's one of the reasons they get voted down lower. So I, I don't know how much some of these 11 categories make a difference. Yeah, I was going to say facilities also obviously very important. As you just said, senior, it's a big reason why the Jaguars jumped from 28th overall last year to 5th this year. They also were able to get rid of their rat infestation in their previous, uh, in their previous facilities and also their concession stands. So things are looking up there in America City. Yeah, they're going to need every bit of help they can get after the way that last season ended. There is no doubt. So I'm glad the rats are no longer there. But Emerson, what you mentioned there, there was improvement from some of the teams, albeit very incremental with teams like the Cardinals who stopped charging their players for meals. They changed up some of the equipment in their weight room. They added a small area. This was one of the ones that is more shameful is the treatment of families at a lot of these places and then not having certain things in place to help make life easier for spouses, people with children. Those are the things they actually should feel ashamed of and change and try and help make better but dad that's exactly why this is going to happen because i understand the folks from the nflpa it was their uh executive director lloyd howell said this is not a shaming exercise yes it is shame is a powerful tool yeah we need a little bit more shame in a lot of areas of society at this point and this is one of them where it got some results and so they're going to keep doing it And while the nfl was caught off guard last time they can't feign surprise anymore we live dead Football and professional sports in general is a bottom line business. And it is one where there is brutal honesty in the name of correcting things here. And nobody, nobody escapes the scrutiny when you're a part of a team and trying to make things better. And so much like when we criticize officials and I say, hey, this is fair game. We spend and get up here on these microphones and criticize players all the time for mistakes they make in game. Coaches all the time for mistakes they make in the game. Well, it's not so fun when the rabbits got the gun now. If you're these organizations that are used to dictating the terms with no blowback or people pointing the arrow at you. And now all of a sudden players have a chance to do it. And I love it. This is reality television. This is mess. And I am here lapping it up like a hungry dog. I, I, I'm with you. I think it's it's fun to look at, fun to talk about. Fans will see it. But what will be interesting is if owner, any owners care, right? It, it, uh, you know, Hunt has got great enough as the worst owner in the NFL. Huh? Emerson just said some did. There were people that made changes after the last time. Yes. Shame worked. Well, well, the, the the Jacksonville was getting a new facility anyway. I mean, this this survey last the year Cardinals when it came stopped out, charging the Jackson- players for meals. They yep. changed the equipment in the weight room. They added a small family gathering area. Those are direct things that they were criticized Senior. for. Last year. Senior, I hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't say there would be no changes at all. 
I said, how much many changes will there be? So, and, and how many changes will there be that matter, right? The one that concerns me a lot is the Cowboys. The Cowboys dropped big time, and a lot of it because the players didn't like what was going on with the training staff, basically saying there's not enough. That's a concern for me. That's something I would hope yes. a team would fix. I, listen, I would love them to pay for every meal and actually have three meals a day and do all. I think it would be great, and I think they should. But I don't know how many, as I said, owners are going to look at that and say, well, we're not changing that part of it. Maybe we'll change this part of it because I agree with you. It's very difficult to you don't stay stagnant all the time. You see what th- things need to be made better and you try and make some better. But I don't I will see how many overhaul changes we'll see. Will the Chiefs redo their locker room like they told the players they would two years ago? See if that happens. Yeah, I have no idea if the Chiefs are going to feel compelled to because things are going pretty well for them. And to your point, it was the first right. thing when I when I had buddies of mine that started going to the NFL back in even the early 2000s, mid-2000s. They said, oh yeah, they're not concerned about facilities. Most of the places that get nice facilities are at places where they've been upgrading the stadium because they want a Super Bowl bid or they want right. to host the draft. They're doing right. it for reasons that have nothing to do with the players. So you end up with some nice ancillary stuff to begin with. The Jets mm-hmm. and some of those teams, the Cowboys that were the first to do so. But for everyone else, it's no, they pay you money here. So they don't got to wow you with the facilities. And right. as Bud Elliott over at uh, a 20, a cover three pod pointed out the other day, even in college, they're doing that to skate tax liability issues. And so they don't have to pay the players like all those. They like look like these gaudy recruiting tools, but it's really so that they can still operate as a nonprofit and go forward and not have to worry about shelling out money to players like they do now. Like it's all a shell game. You see the Bucs charge some players and I have a roommate on road trips. The Bucs charge players yeah. close to $1,800 to opt out of having a roommate. So if players had four or fewer years in the league or weren't a starter, they would have a roommate on the road unless they paid the sum. Yeah, I have a feeling that, Emerson some would of pay that stuff. for a roommate. Yeah. I would, I would, I would be like, I would be like, hey, listen, Bucko, you're sleeping on the air mattress. <laughs> oh, you're God. not going anywhere. I heard you tried to pay to get out of this. What's wrong with us? Do we need to talk? Is there something off with our friendship? Between 11 starts for Mac Jones and six for Bailey Zappi, the Pats did not get quality play at the quarterback position last season. And so it's not a shocker to hear from our good friend Doug Kide that New England has met with quarterbacks Drake May, Jaden Daniels, J.J. McCarthy, and Bo Nix at the NFL Scouting Combine. And they will meet with Caleb Williams tonight. So that was yesterday. So that means that they would have met with Caleb last night. You also, another option is the Patriots will be picking third at least as of right now, guys. Another option, Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe the Pats go out and address their quarterback issues and free agency and say, hey, this guy is more of a guaranteed sure thing than the quarterbacks on the board. Some of the bigger names, though, drawing interest at their arrival in India. But we also started to hear from players and their experiences so far in Indianapolis. I feel like I belong. Uh, I belong here. Uh, you know, there's... Like I, like I was saying, there's a lot of great players, there's a lot of great defensive linemen here. And oftentimes, you know, I look to my left, look to my right uh, and say, man, like these guys are really good. But then, you know, I go uh, into my hotel room and I look in the mirror and say, 
damn, I'm good too. Yeah, it's a blessing to be here, but the job's not done yet. Uh, my story's just started, you know. This is just my uh, rookie year. We got a lot more work to do, and, you know, I'm not satisfied with being here. I got to go dominate now. You know how man is. I mean, you want yourself. Um, we got to grow into our bodies. And this is me, as y'all see. I'm a big guy, big frame, and that's just how it is. I just grew into my body, man. Think about me, I love football, you know. I would play this shit for free, but, you know, they paying, so I'll take it. Well, uh, yeah, go, Joe. You're going to be hearing from a lot of Michigan players because there's 18 of them who were invited to take part in this scouting combine this week. Yeah, and I think no more interesting quote from a Michigan player than Michigan linebacker Michael yeah. Barrett yesterday talking about his quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, saying he's the kind of player that Patrick Mahomes type where he can make a play at any moment. You can sleep on him. When you think he's down, he'll throw a ball out of his butt for real. What? I haven't in my film <laughs> study yet seen the butt ball from J.J. McCarthy, but now it's something that you've got to prepare for. And when you get that out there in the game plan, it that's, makes you worry. That's like something Patrick Mahomes would whip out, you know, tossing yeah. a football yeah. with his butt. That seems like something you usually got to pay for on a certain website out here. Oh, but what do I know about don't, any of don't that? Don't Google not it much. on a work um, computer. Do not Google it on a work computer. Yeah, don't do it. Uh, Dad, the majority of the guys you heard from in that video, defensive linemen, including McKinley Jackson out of Texas A&M, had the funny quote about money there at the end, which I appreciate yeah. always. But uh, we got the D-line and linebackers going to be on the field today. Uh, we always talk about the bench press on the combine at the combine, that 225 rep test. So... Which of these player dad could be pressed into action or lift their teams to new height early on in their careers? Is there a game-changing defensive player that you look at in this draft? I guess as we get to that group, we've talked so much about the quarterbacks and about the receivers well, and about the tackles and very little about a lot of the guys on the defensive side of the ball right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you start looking at especially interior D linemen, you're, you're not sure because a lot, a lot of times that goes statless. You know, you're eating a double team. Are you forced in a cutback where it doesn't show up in a box score? Uh, yet it's very impressive. You know, because the edge rushers that you have there, Dallas Turner from Alabama, Jared Verse from Florida State, those are the guys we're going to look at to see what kind of numbers they can put up. But then you look at, what, 670 pounds of defensive tackle from Texas with the guy you heard from there, Tavondre Sweat, who weighs over 360, as he said, I just grew into my body. And uh, Byron Murphy, who's about 310 from Texas. I mean, what a duo on the inside there. So interested again to see that defensive tackle, that interior line position. You'd love to see great pass rushing, pressure on the quarterbacks, but everything is in a sack. Do you push the pocket? Again, do you redirect? How do you stop a, a you know the guard uh, from getting off to the second level on your linebacker? So these are the things that I love to look for in interior D-line. So while you know me and the combine and the underwear Olympics, I still watch and I still love to see what these guys are going to do. And the great thing about it is these guys know they're not doing a lot of football now, but they know this is their interview. So they, they're at it 100%, and I love that. So it's always fun to see, especially guys this big, and how well that they can actually move. I think to the current place we're at in the NFL, we've talked a lot about how important linebacker and defensive tackle are going to be going forward, given what defenses are seeing from opposing offenses. We saw in the postseason, if you're a team in the NFC and you know, hey, we've got to go and beat the 49ers. That is the big bad. That's the final boss in our conference right now. We've got to beat them. What did you see during the postseason run that gave you the best opportunity to do that? 
consistent interior pressure. It was yep. star defensive tackles being able to get into the face of Brock Purdy on that team. And so I, I look at guys, Byron Murphy, the one you mentioned, is one of my favorite guys in this draft. He's been someone that Texas has been in love with for a long time. And in that tandem with him and Devondre Sweat, who ended up, Devondre Sweat, I believe, won the Outland this year for the best, best lineman offense or defense in college football. There's part of me that thought Byron Murphy was better. He just didn't have as gaudy as stats and certainly isn't a mountain of a man. We saw Devondre Sweat with the Heisman pose when he scored a touchdown in the Big 12 title game. He He's great, but Byron Murphy is closer to... There's no Aaron Donald comp that's deserved for any of these guys in the draft. Right, I'll just right, say that. Right. But Aaron Donald's created a world where more undersized defensive tackles can still find a place in this league. And Byron Murphy at 6'1", is not what you'd think of as some gap plugger in the middle but he's incredibly active and dynamic there. The same would be true in Michael Hall from Ohio State's a little bit closer to the Aaron Donald profile at 6'2", 280, incredible fluid mover. A guy that's going to backdoor a lot of guys, create havoc in the middle, did so for Ohio State at a lot of junctures this last season. He certainly falls into that range as well. And yeah, then you got a guy like Chris Jenkins, great bloodlines there. One of the Bruce Feldman freaks list guys, much like his father before him, an absolute animal when it comes to the physical profile for this guy. And what you need of a defender that's going to have to come down and eat up space in these boxes if you've got lighter boxes up front, but also need a guy who can get after the passer a little bit. Chris, a little less so than the other two guys I've mentioned, but still absolutely a competent player that's going to help somebody out in these ways. There's a, a linebacker, you know, the linebackers are are competing too on the field uh, today. And just something about Peyton Wilson, kid from North Carolina State. I mean, dealt with injuries, had labrum in his shoulder, had two ACLs. I mean, this is a guy who would be kind of the walking wounded, but when he was on the field, well, I think over 400 tackles in his career. I know you did games that he did. I did. That's how long he's been in. I did games uh, that he played in. Just He's a guy that is just all over the field. but And I just wonder where his body is in trying to hold up now to the next level and the players that you take on and hit because he is a tackling machine. So And he is all over the field. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what his career is. He's one of the higher rated. And then a guy, you know, that we got to know a little bit, Maris Leofow, the kid from Notre Dame. I saw him at the Senior Bowl, had a really nice week of practice, Was is always – always seems to be by the ball. And you're always like a guy like that. Certainly these guys, some of the guys taken later will be special teamers as well. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he does at the next level. Just a smart, tough, rangy player. And I think it really important, and Maris is a great case for this, as are some of these other guys, Edron Cooper out of Texas A&M, who can flat out fly. Right. Some of these dudes are going to run like deers. I would encourage you when the linebackers are running 40s, Get ready because Edron Cooper out of AM gonna fly. Who you mentioned, Peyton Wilson. I can't wait to see this dude's 40 because he was like the Terminator, hawking dudes down. Relentless yep. effort. You'll see, they'll show highlights during the combine. This dude's play speed is off the freaking charts. But a guy like Marist, I, I think it underscores something that has become very valuable. And if we talk about, you know, the you know, the effect of a guy like Aaron Donald or what's going on in the current NFL. 
You also look at the current NFL, what have we seen? A ton of those simulated pressures, sending linebackers as that ad blitzer in a lot of schemes. What Micah Parsons became for the Dallas Cowboys, obviously being the highest end of this, but linebackers with pass rush wiggle. And it's one thing Maris does. Maris got pass rush ability. You can put him up at the line of scrimmage and he's going to be a value add there. Backs on backers. My God, this makes me feel old because I was an Eagles fan when his dad was playing. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. out of Clemson. Watch yes. the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame, Audrick Estime, one of the best pass-protecting backs in this draft. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. made him eat his words a couple of times. That's a guy that's going to win for you one-on-one. So with these guys, you're looking at not only, hey, traditional linebacker stuff, we probably need a little bit more of that coming back, and we'll see if college adjusts and starts sending us a few more thumpers back out into the world. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Pretty stoked for a 12-team college football playoff coming up this season. Hey, how does 14? sound to you a 14 team playoff model is being discussed and it would grant here gojo three automatic qualifiers each to the big 10 sec two automatic qualifiers each to the big 12 so that's going to be ucf and acc one automatic qualifier to the group of five plus three at large that's according to ross dellinger of yahoo sports the model's not finalized I think this house also has something to do with, like, the contract, right? The contract ends, I think, around 2025, yep. 2026 here, Gojo. So they got to make a decision here soon. 
Yeah, the tinkering never stops with these people. I said, we need to send them on a golf trip or get them a hobby or something so they leave the sport alone for for a little bit. Because, Dad, it seems like before we're ever going to get a chance to try on the 12-team playoff and see how it fits, this is going to happen. And it's going to happen because two conferences realize that they're better than everybody else. That's really what I think is at the heart of all of this discussion is the sum is great, more is better culture around college football seeped into that little meeting between the SEC and the Big Ten who looked up and said, wait a minute, why are we going into a situation or a system where we're treated the same as everybody else when we believe we're different than everybody else? And it's reflected in the most important detail of this and how it's going to be executed, the format of who gets the automatic qualifiers and things going into this known as the 3-3-2-2-1 format, meaning the SEC and the Big Ten would have three automatic qualifiers in this 14-team model. The ACC and the Big 12 would have two automatic qualifiers. The group of five would have one automatic qualifier. And then there would be three at-large spots in this as well, and as as well as uh, the at-large involving Notre Dame involved in that mechanic as well. Basically, Dad, spelling out in plain letter what we saw take off at the end of this college football season, where you had an undefeated conference champion, Florida State, left out of the college football playoff for reasons that people pointed to the quarterback, but that I have always maintained would not have been graded that way if the Stelmet sticker said Big Ten or SEC on it. They're basically just trying to codify what people already believed is that there are two conferences that operate differently than everybody else and started throwing their weight around accordingly. Yeah, listen, this is this is two very different systems of what we're going to get next year, a five automatic and seven at large to 11 automatic and three at large. So th- this is this is a monster difference, and it, it's amazing to me how they're already we haven't even started the twelve and they're tinkering. And as I said, they've they've they're putting together sixteen team models as well, and it would start the the new format would start in two thousand twenty six, uh, as a, what Emerson was alluding to the television contract. But let's let's talk about the elephant in the room on this one, right? Because I I agree with everything that you said about the SEC and the Big Ten saying we deserve more qualifiers. Now, I still think in the 5-7 model that there would probably still get three teams in each. Now, it would just go year to year on who else they would get in because there are seven at large, and I would imagine there's still going to be other SEC teams and Big Ten teams that are going to be up there. But now the 3-3-2-2-1 guarantees them those spots. But what this does is this would, in my opinion, would force Notre Dame into a conference, right? Now, Notre Dame, for to, for to stay out of a conference, to stay independent, was always a few things. It was what, what about the other, you know, uh, sports out there? But I, I think that could always be worked out. Then there's the money that you're going to make. What are they going to make from NBC or what would you make in a conference? And then, most importantly, I think is ease into the playoffs. And with a five automatic, and while Notre Dame could never be one of those automatic, they would always have the potential to be one of the seven at large. Well, now you're cutting it down to three at large with 11 that are guaranteed. So I don't know what you think, Mike, but to me, that kind of moves the needle toward Notre Dame saying, you know what, our odds just went down in getting a, an at-large bid into the, the big show, so maybe we ought to think about changing it up. That was my thought process as we were squeezing more towards this point. And part of what I had talked about with the 12-team model and what you just laid out, seven at-large spots available, meant Notre Dame wasn't really going to be getting preferential treatment the way their detractors thought they would. But 
Pete Thamel and Heather Dinich wrote an article on ESPN.com that included this little nugget that sources told ESPN as far as Notre Dame, the most likely option being discussed is that the Fighting Irish would earn a spot in the 14-team CFP if the selection committee ranked them in the top 14 on selection day. So this would be carving out a little bit of a special place oh, for Notre Dame in the would. discourse You're right. in a way that would ensure Notre Dame's survival in this current format, which obviously, like you said, is paramount to their remaining independence. But this would definitely tick people off. And this would be the one where I would understand people going, yes. oh, so we're going to give them preferential treatment. Because saying, yeah, if Notre Dame's in the top 14, we got a spot for you in this, all of a sudden creates a very different dynamic where, Dad, yes. imagine if Notre Dame in a given year has two or three losses and they're right on the bubble. They're one of the teams right around there in that 14-15 spot. And get in, you've got seeds of controversy starting to sow here. So uh, first off, remember, people, if this does happen, don't and you get mad, don't get mad at Notre Dame. Notre Dame didn't make this this rule, okay? Notre Dame didn't hold a gun they to anybody's know. head if this happens. This this was agreed upon. So don't blame Notre Dame for this. Number two, Mike, if this in fact is a way to get an automatic bid in the in the top fourteen, I don't know what that would do as far as what their seating would be. Um, do you think that's enough to keep them independent? And, and not move toward a conference. Because eventually, I think we're getting there. It's just a matter of what actually pushes it over the edge. And, and that's a nice caveat to have, an automatic at, in the top 14. But do you think that's enough to keep them independent? I do for right now. But to your point about this eventually getting pushed over the line, we're, we're seeing it happen right now. As people sit around and want to bellyache about NIL and the portal all this offseason, I'll remind you the existential threats to the sport have not been caused by the players. Look up at this. I'll be fascinated to watch if anyone can jujitsu their way or you know gymnastics their way into somehow blaming this on what the kids have done to the sport. Because this is the grown-ups in the room that have been realigning conferences, changing up TV deals, and now making these handshake agreements with the Big Ten and the SEC getting together. And probably, I'm sure, in an honest moment with themselves saying, we're better than the rest of these guys. We've proven it in the way we've acquired talent, the way we've accomplished at the high level. Why are we going to let any of these other people dictate the terms of the sport? And the fact that people are close to agreeing to this, the fact that the Big 12 and the ACC are looking at this and going, well, two sounds pretty good considering our current lot in life right now should tell you a lot about where we're going. This is going towards football Pangea. It's going towards these groups deciding all together they don't need everyone else. It's what we've been whispering about for years now, and we're starting to see it again. It's getting codified now. It was abstract when I talked about this at the end of college football season and said if the helmet sticker on Florida State's helmet said Big Ten or SEC, even if Jordan Travis had gotten hurt, they'd have been in the playoff because that's how people view those conferences versus how they view it the ACC. And Florida State started banging the drum and banging pots and pans after about their grant of rights, indicated they probably felt some of that constriction too. Now it's being spelled out. These two deserve more than the rest of you because they look at themselves differently than the rest of you. So yeah, dad, as this eventually all morphs into the one great conference or whatever comes from this, as I've told you, it European soccer is the hell out of this model. And this, even this three, three, two, two, one is champions league as hell. 
all of this is moving towards that one mass of humanity that will eventually necessitate Notre Dame join whatever it is if they want to stay in this upper portion of college football because everyone else wants them there because they look like money. And that's the reason when you carve out something like this, it's because everyone understands, hey, we're trying to build the best TV product. That's all this tournament is. It's not giving us a more worthy champion. It's not giving us a better process of picking a champion. It's giving us a better TV product. And they know Notre Dame is better for the TV product. So for anyone that's ticked off, that's why. It's because Notre Dame is dollars, because Notre Notre Dame is green because Notre Dame, in addition to accomplishing, is also still a brand that resonates and incites opinions and incites feelings from people and puts asses in seats when it comes to the television dollars that all these people are chasing. I just wonder the changes that are going to go on with 12 team and then do you think about 14 team on where the continued changes are going to go on in college football? Uh, are we staying? Was it just going to be a power for the Big Ten or the Big 12 and the ACC? What happens? Do they? Do, what do we eventually we get to that will throw a wrench into whatever format that we have? You know what I mean? Whatever format we keep and then where we end up in five to seven years, does that, does that make this model look like, oh, that's not going to work anymore? What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.